0: Hey, welcome to Learning to Lead. I'm Paul Doherty, your host, and the church has left the building. I wanna talk to you today about really what our world has gone through during COVID-19 and how it's affected our church, um, some of the decisions we made early on uh, that helped us to be able to reach more people than we've ever reached before. In fact, I just got the numbers back. As of last week, we have impacted as a church close to 500,000 people between online and our drive-in services in less than four weeks. That's crazy. We've never been able to reach that many people in that short amount of time. Uh, Just to give some context, usually in a four week period with our online and our regular services, uh, but in those four weeks, we might be reaching right at 100,000 people and that would be including all of our online services, all of our live services, and, and, and even that may not even be right at 100,000, might be below that. So to have this many people impacted, 500,000 people in four weeks, it's just wild. And then on top of that, God has allowed our church to be able to feed over 100,000 people um, groceries, hot meals. When I say the church has left the building, what I mean is we're realizing more than ever before The church was never about the building. The church was always meant to be out in the street, serving people, ministering to people, helping people. It doesn't mean that there's not a use for the building. And we've continued to be able to use our building, ministering to people through our online services right here in our auditorium. But again, we've had for the last six weeks during this crisis, COVID-19, we've had no one inside our building except for our staff and just a small amount of staff to capture it, to lead the worship, And then we've been doing these drive-in services. So I wanna talk to you about um, leadership through this crisis and learning to pivot, learning to not just pivot, but learning to embrace the new normal that God's trying to bring to the church. You know, I came into our auditorium on Easter morning and I got contacted by Fox News, Fox & Friends, not like the local Fox, but like the, the national Fox TV show. And they said, hey, we've been watching what you're doing. We've been watching what your church is doing, feeding people, helping people. And we want to talk to you about that. We want to talk to you about how amazing that is that in the middle of America, in the Midwest, you've fed now as a church over 100,000 people, groceries and hot meals. And you've been reaching hundreds of thousands of people through your drive-in services, broadcasting them from the rooftop, preaching on the roof with the band. And we want to talk to you about that. And I wanna say this right now, we could not do what we're doing without the team that works so hard behind the scenes. Uh, One of the pastors reached out to me, he said, how are you doing what you're doing? I said, because we have an Aaron Johnson on our team, because we have a John Doherty on our team, because I've got a Daniel Henshaw on our team, a Chris Trowbridge, a Zach Bernatsky, I've got a Kevin on my team. It's the people that have made this possible that you don't see uh, on this Learning to Lead podcast. Every leader, understands they are only as good as their team. And I'll just say this, the team that I get to work alongside of, they make me look better than I actually am at leading. And it's been a, just a huge privilege to get to be on the news representing our team, sharing what God's doing, the miracles. But I'll just say this, on Easter morning, I'm standing in our auditorium, I'm looking at all these empty chairs, Fox comes, you know, they, they interview me. I've got my phone out. I set it up on top of a music stand and you know, I'm speaking to my, my phone, they're on Skype and they're broadcasting it on Fox and friends all these people. And I, I get done, I hang up and I'm just walking through auditorium and I'm thinking, man, this is the first Easter that our church is empty inside the building. As a kid, I grew up, my parents were pastors and every Easter, I really looked forward to the massive crowds that would show up. You know, the Easter Christians that would come, that only come usually on Easter or or Christmas. And they would just pack out the rooms and we'd have multiple services. We'd be doing a big, you know, passion production of the story of the cross and resurrection. But this Easter was strange, not just for us, but for you and for every church all over the world, not just in America, but in Australia, in India, in China, um, in Singapore, in Canada, in Brazil. Every country is in this crisis where most countries have been sheltered in, locked down, not being able to gather in large mass gatherings in buildings. Um, And it's really, it's shocked our world. It's shocked pastors, churches, trying to figure out what to do and what is God doing during this time? And how do I hear God and lead during this crisis from a place of not just coming up with my own ideas, but really being led by God's voice and God's ideas. So anyways, I'm walking through our auditorium and it hits me that on Sunday morning of Easter, the very first Easter, The women who came looking for Jesus, they were the church, right? These were ladies from the church. Jesus Jesus was the pastor. He had started the first church. He had Peter, James, John, Matthew, Bartholomew. Judas was gone at this point, uh, but he had the ladies that were part of the church, Mary Magdalene, Martha. And the ladies from the church came looking for their pastor in the place where they thought he would be. They came to the tomb. Because that was the normal place that you would find someone who had just died and was buried in that tomb. That's the normal place you would find Jesus. That's the normal place they would find their pastor. They come to that tomb and what do they find? They find it empty. In other words, it's no longer normal. The normal just shifted on Sunday morning. The, the, the normal place to find the dead body would be in the tomb, but now normal has changed, he's no longer there. And what God said is, what if auditoriums are the tomb this year? And what if, and I'm not saying that we're never coming back to auditoriums, I think we're gonna be back. In fact, our governor has announced that in May, we're gonna begin phase one of gathering again um, with social distancing measures. But what God began to speak to me is not so much auditoriums, but maybe the model of how church was done prior to COVID-19 has become the tomb on Sunday morning in the sense that God's saying, it's time to stop looking for how you used to look uh, or where you used to look to find church or to find the model for church because that's shifted. Jesus is no longer in that tomb. And it's almost like God saying, I'm calling you to a new model, a new way of church, a new normal. And it's gonna look different. And here's what I, I began to pray is Lord, as we come out of this, in the midst of this, we've done some crazy innovative things. I've preached from a scissor lift. I've gotten on top of you know, the roof of our church. I've had a megaphone. I got in, even in a helicopter one night and preached from the helicopter over our, our people in the parking lot. And I've just been trying to think of new ways and I'm gonna to get to that in just a moment. But what I heard God saying is don't stop the innovation. Don't stop the new model. Don't, cha- don't go back to how things were prior to this. Keep this new, experimental, risk-taking, audacious faith, um, digging a hole through the roof type of uh, audacity to bring hope to the hopeless, to bring the gospel to people, uh, to feed those who are hungry. This Easter, we fed more people than we've ever fed physically and spiritually. In fact, in just the week of Easter alone, just that six days, over 200,000 people attended our Easter services between online and drive-in services. That's amazing. That's amazing because last Easter, we had right around 40,000 people that tuned in online and about 19 to 23,000 that came live to our building. So to see us go from that number to over 200,000 coming, It's like God saying, I've got new ways for the church that's going to blow your mind and reach people like never before. But you've got to realize that this is not a time to try to go back to how things used to be. This is a time to step into a new way of how things could be, right? So here's another story in the Bible that really began stirring in my heart right at the start of this crisis. And it's the story of the four friends who um, found their buddy who was paralyzed um, and couldn't walk and needed help and he was a beggar. And so they lifted him up because they heard Jesus was in their town and they come to the house where Jesus is, but the house is packed out. There's not even a way to get through the front door. Um, and and in, in all natural senses, there was no way for them to be able to have church. There was no way for them to be able to be a part of the church because there was no room for them to get in. But what do they do? Rather than giving up and saying, all right, we're just gonna quit. We're just gonna stop. We're not gonna believe for a miracle. We're just gonna stop right here. You know, there's no way for us to gather as a church. We're just gonna to have to come back with our friend, back to our house. Instead, they climb on top of the house and they dig a hole through the roof. And what I heard God saying to me was, it's time for churches to start digging holes through roofs again. It's time for leaders to let desperation cause them to move into innovation and that innovation will open the doors to blow your expectation out of the water and break every limitation that you have placed on what God can do. Desperate times call for desperate measures. So I think it's important in leadership that we don't allow limitations to stop us from leading, that we don't allow what other people are doing, what other people are saying to create a paralyzation in the midst of desperation. I think here's what this crisis has done. It's revealed people who are quick on their feet and people who aren't. And you've got, this is a time for leaders to get flexible, adaptable, and to move quick. This is not a time to drag your feet with ideas. As soon as you have an idea, we live in a season right now in the world where everything is changing rapidly and everything is shifting in random ways. And what I told our team is, look, nothing is permanent except for the gospel. Everything we do is experimental. Let's just try it. If it doesn't work out, what do we have to lose? Another story in the Bible that comes to my mind on leading through this crisis is the story, it's in um, 2 Kings. And it's this story about these four lepers who are um, living outside of the city. They've been exiled because when you have leprosy, you can't live among the rest of civilization. And they're in their own community and they're dying. They're, they're literally dying from this sickness. Um, it's a slow death. Like they probably have a few years left, maybe five, six years left. And there's an enemy that has surrounded the city that they are from. And they have these options in their mind. They go, okay, if we go back to our city, we're probably going to die because the enemy is all there. If we stay here, we're going to die. But the enemy's camp right now is potentially, maybe there's a few people there, maybe there's not. And in the enemy's camp, there's food, there's wealth, there's horses, there's uh, you know, all kinds of things that we could get there that we need because they, they didn't have any food. But the city that they were from also didn't have any food because the enemy had surrounded that city and cut off all the food supply, water supply. So that city was dying. The lepers were dying. The enemy was the only ones who were living and they were prospering off of the people that they were cutting off. All right, so the lepers get this thought. We could sit here and die. We could go there and die. Or we could attack the enemy's camp, even though we're frail, vulnerable, and maybe not the best warriors. And there's a chance that we're gonna die there too. But we'd rather die on the side of courage than die in a place of paralyzation. We'd rather die in a spirit of innovation than die in a spirit of paralyzation. Listen to that. There are so many people right now that are allowing this crisis to cripple their faith, to cripple their courage, to cripple their creativity. But there are other churches and we are one of them and the team that we have in place here, we've decided we are gonna err on the side of courage. We are gonna err on the side of creativity. We're gonna err on the side of compassion. We're gonna follow all the rules with CDC guidelines, but we are not going to allow this uh, agenda of the enemy that's trying to shut down churches, shut down leadership, shut down creativity. We are not gonna allow that agenda to force us to close everything we're doing. We're gonna find ways to get creative with compassion, with uh, innovation, bringing the gospel to people. We have now in the last four weeks been able to lead 4,350 people to Jesus Christ. They have given their hearts to Christ. 4,350 people in four weeks. That's crazy. That is great. Four weeks, 4,350 people in the city of Tulsa. These are people that are just coming and they're hungry and they're desperate and they're saying, I got laid off from work and I lost hours and I didn't know I was gonna afford groceries and your groceries opened my heart to your gospel. Let me say something here. There's a lot of churches that just want people to listen to their message, listen to their gospel, watch their services, see what we've got, but good deeds is what opens the door to the good news. What we've realized as a church is we can't expect people to watch our sermons, listen to our messages, come to our drive-in services, if we're not showing good deeds to our city with no strings attached. So we've given groceries to Muslims. We've given groceries to atheists. We've given free meals to people who hate our church. And we've said, hey, that's all good. You could hate us, but we wanna bless you. And when we do that, they go, "Hmm, what do you have to say? Because Why did you give me this meal even though I don't believe what you believe? And even though I hate you guys as a church. And I I say, and our team says this, Pastor AJ, Bethany White, Henshaw, all of our team, hey, we are here to serve our city. We love you. Here's what we believe. We believe Jesus is the son of God. We believe he died for your sins. We believe he rose from the dead. And we believe that he wants to live in your life and change you from the inside out. All of a sudden these hearts that were cold, are all of a sudden getting warmed up. Why? Because good deeds opens the door to good news and when they receive the good news, they give give their hearts to God. And it's in that, that all of a sudden, city transformation begins to happen. A community uh, change begins to happen. People who are walking in depression, discouragement, defeat, start walking in victory because a church decided to lead through a crisis. And I wanna encourage you, leaders out there, This is not a time to run. This is not a time to hide. This is not a time to go into a paralyzation place. This is a time to dig holes through roofs. This is a time to attack the enemy of fear. This is a time to experiment new ideas. Take risks, take risks. You know, I was at a restaurant recently, and they've completely changed their whole model of what they're doing during this crisis. Every parking spot in the uh, uh, area outside of this restaurant had a unique word of just encouragement to their customers. And they had a text number and they said, Texas number, we'll bring food out to you. Also chips on us and salsa. Hey, you could sit in the parking lot, eat your meal. By the way, we've knocked all the prices down at lunchtime. Uh, You could get a steak for under 10 bucks. And I was thinking, this is amazing. This is like, they are leading through a crisis. What I'm saying is innovation is not limited to churches. It's not limited to restaurants. It's not limited to Walgreens or Walmart. It's available to anyone who goes, my goodness, people need hope right now. People need community right now. People need help right now and you're a leader. And guess what leaders do during a crisis? They lead, they lead and they make tough decisions. And we've had people coming to our driving services saying, My church isn't doing anything. They've completely shut down. And I've said, listen, pray for your pastor. He probably needs courage, he needs wisdom, he needs help. He's probably trying to figure out what to do. Maybe he doesn't have the team that we have. And I've just been trying to encourage pastors, pastors, use every resource you have available. It doesn't have to look perfect. I think one thing that we've got to realize in a crisis is that content is more important than quality. Like most of the stuff that has really ministered to people during this crisis, I've done right from my phone. I haven't even done it with all the lights and the cameras. Now we got the lights and the cameras today, um, but I've been editing stuff just on iMovie on my laptop. It's a free app for anyone who's got a, a MacBook, but you could go on YouTube, you could take things, you can upload things. This is a time to share hope with people, encourage your people, encourage those who you're leading. And you might go, well, Paul, I don't have a camera team. I don't have lights. I don't have a stage. I don't have an auditorium. You don't need any of that right now. If you got a phone, Record hope. If you got a phone, call your church members. One of the first things we did our first week of the crisis is we got on the phones and we called every member who's ever come to our church in the last year. We made over 6,000 phone calls in less than 14 days, and we cu- we started with those who were oldest first. So we started with those in their 90s, 80s, 70s, and we just started calling them. Hey, how are you doing, Grand Grand? How are you doing, LMA? How are you doing, you know Frank? And just checking up on our older members. How are you doing? And it meant the world to them. Hey, we were connecting with 80% of the people we called. It doesn't cost money. Well, it does cost to have a cell phone, but if you got a cell phone, use it to call people. Pray for them over the phone. What do leaders do during a crisis? They lead and they find every way possible to communicate and connect with the people that they're trying to lead. And they get innovative and they don't paralyze themselves and they don't paralyze their teams. They empower people. So I've been telling our team members, hey, whatever idea you have, go for it. So a couple of our team members have said, hey, what if we started like an Amazon delivery service, but we called it a victory delivery service. And if people need something, we'll go get it and bring it to their house. And I'm like, yeah, they're like, we got nothing else to do. We're literally at our houses. We don't know what to do with our time. We could sit at home and be on Facebook all day. We could sit at home, we could watch Netflix shows all day, watch Tiger King, you know, we could waste time or we could go help people. And they're getting creative with compassion and they're wearing the gloves, they're wearing the mask but they're taking toilet paper and groceries, and they're going up to doorsteps of people in our church and people who aren't in our church. And they're just surprising people. Hey, on behalf of Victory, we wanna bless you. We wanna serve you. And some pastors have reached out to me and they've said, how did you get groceries? Are you paying for all of that right out of the pockets of Victory? Is that is Victory paying for all of these groceries? It's a mixture of us paying for it and a mixture of food banks partnering with us. So as a church, we have an outreach arm that we've had since really the late 80s, um, where we just serve our city with food, we help our city with whatever needs there are, disaster relief. We started the Dream Center in 1999, um, and that's our Tulsa Dream Center, and we feed the hungry, we help people. But during this crisis, the need has escalated times 20. So on a normal week, we would maybe feed 300 people, where right now during this crisis, we're feeding like 10,000 people in a week, or more than that. And Through that need, we've had a lot of our team members just getting creative. Again, as a leader, you've got to empower the people around you. Let's get creative, let's innovate, let's think of ways to serve our people. So they're calling and people are saying, hey, I could use this. Then immediately they're going to Walmart and they're saying, hey, can I just, I'll pay for this out of my own pocket or can the church cover half of it and I'll cover the other half? We wanna bless a couple of the poor families in our church. And I'm going, yes, let's do it. Let's find any way possible to meet the needs of people around us. What do leaders do? They see a need and they meet it. They see a hurt and they heal it. And I wanna encourage you, during this crisis where auditoriums are empty, chairs are empty, Why not go to the streets and go meet your church at their homes, their apartment complexes as a leader? Why not go meet with your employees, your customers by calling them on the phone, doing a Zoom group with them, ministering to them through a text message or just doing a drive-in gathering, a drive-in graduation, a drive-in service. Get innovative, God has new things he wants to do. Now, as I get ready to end, I wanna just end with a few last thoughts. There's a phrase, and I don't know who made up this phrase, but I love it, blessed are the flexible for they will not be bent out of shape. Blessed are the flexible, Jesus has all these beatitudes. This is a beatitude Jesus didn't say, but I think it's a very important beatitude. Blessed are the flexible for they will not be bent out of shape. During a crisis, we've gotta learn how to be flexible with changes. So one thing I wanna give a shout out to our team in is that I've called them on the fly and said, hey, I know we scheduled to do a service indoors on Wednesday night, and I know it's just 24 hours away, but I think we should do it outside, let's do it on the roof. And I'm so thankful we have a team that says, instead of saying, no, that's an impossible, Paul, no, can't do that, can't, we're not, no way we're gonna be able to get sound out there, cameras out there. Instead, they're saying, we can do it. It's gonna look a little different, may not be as excellent as indoors, but this is not a time to try to figure out how to make it the, the most excellent thing. This is a time to just get content of hope and, and life to people who are coming, and they've been flexible to adapt in the moment, whether it's a 24 hour notice, 48 hour notice, and the same thing with me. I've had people saying, hey, can you do this, can you do that? And I've had to be flexible. I've had to change my schedule and say, yes, I'll be there, I'll do that. Even with news stations, hey, can you record at 6 a.m.? <laughs> hey, yeah. I'm gonna figure out, during a crisis, it's not a time to make excuses. It's not a time to demand what you're entitled to, or hey, I already worked 38 hours. You can't make me work anymore. It's a time to rise up with courage, rise up with selflessness and say, whatever it takes, we're gonna get the job done. We're gonna help people in our city. And after this is over, I'm gonna get some more sleep and maybe go on a few more dates with my wife. But during a crisis, I think what we've got to realize as leaders is people need leadership more than ever when there's a crisis at hand. And you can't just operate as, things, as if things are just normal during a crisis, because they're not. They're not normal for anyone. You've gotta be adaptable, flexible. I do too. And even as we transition out of this shelter in, I think the next phase for the church is gonna look different. I told our team, we're gonna make some new decisions. We're gonna take some things we learned during this crisis and implement them in our services. Services are gonna look a little different. People are still gonna come in this building, but we're we're gonna really connect with our online audience in a greater way because we've realized there's a lot of people watching out there. So I'm gonna have a a TV on stage with an online chat, interacting with the chat as I'm preaching. I'm gonna do a lot more interactive texting in and connecting in even with people who are in the room as they're participating in the service. We're gonna do a lot more drive-in services in the future where we switch from being inside to being outside. Why? Because this is a time to try new things, to keep experimenting. And if there's one thing we can learn about business, church, leadership, any of it, is when you get comfortable, you get stuck. When you get comfortable and you go, well, this is how we've always done it. This is how we're always, this is the easiest way to do it. It's comfortable, my team, we figured it out, we got it. That's right when God goes, all right, you're a little too comfortable, church. It's time to switch things up. And I'm not saying that God is the author of the virus. He's not. But God is definitely using what the enemy meant for harm to shift the model for the church for something good and say, I I think God's preparing us for the greatest revival we've seen yet. So I wanna pray for you leaders. Lord, I pray right now for innovation. I pray God for faith. I pray for favor. I pray God that they would recognize the resources they already have in their house that the miracles they're looking for out there already exist in their house. I want to just say this before I end. We have discovered things that have been in our building all along that we are now using during this crisis more than ever before. And I wanna say this, some of you are looking for the answer to the problem as if it's somewhere out there, you gotta buy more equipment, you gotta to go to you know, Best Buy or Walmart, you gotta purchase a bunch of new equipment, more microphones, and I think God's going to show you that the miracle for your greatest impact may not be something you have to go and purchase, it may not be someone else out there you gotta go find or hire. It might be someone who's already on your team who's already prepared and they're just waiting for you to tap them. They are the miracle in the house. You might already have the leader you're looking for out there waiting right there for you. Think about just the story of Lakewood Church when John Osteen passed away. The miracle for the next season of Lakewood was standing behind the camera. It was Joel Osteen. He was the camera guy. And I think oftentimes we are overlooking the miracles that are right in front of us. That are right in the soil of our own yard. You don't have to go to some, you don't have to look over the fence at someone else's backyard during quarantine to find out what they're doing during quarantine, find out, you know, who you need to get from their backyard. It is in your house, it is in your yard. The people, the resources, what you need, the miracle is in the house. So, Lord, I pray that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and Lord, I pray that we would lead with courage and we would recognize you are with us, you are for us, and you're gonna give innovation during this time of desperation. Lord, I thank you, you're gonna exceed our expectations and you're gonna break off limitations so that we begin to lead on a higher level. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Tune back in soon for the next Learning to Lead podcast.